Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a Mary Poppins bag, but evil and full of monsters, a cursed hairbrush that eats your hair, a Godzilla, but tiny, and a cartoon Popeye come to life, who is also a werewolf. <laughs> I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCaller. Mikey, let's start out, as we always do, with the uh, scariest thing that happened to us this week. So what went down in your life outside the scary basement that spooked you to your very bones? Roxy, I'm going to issue a, a big-time spoiler alert for the season finale of The Rehearsal on HBO okay. Max. Okay. Uh, it's All an right. Nathan Fielder program. I can't remember if I've talked about it. It's very much been a thing that's making me happy. But in the season finale of this show... Uh-huh. Nathan Fielder, who is a, uh, a person who is self-admitted, struggles to connect with people, does a lot of rehearsals where he practices different events. And so he's practicing what it would be like to raise a child. So they hired oh. a number of child actors. And in the season finale of The O.C., a little boy who in real life does not have a father couldn't distinguish fiction from reality and emotionally bonded to Nathan Fielder and started calling him daddy even when they were not... <laughs> doing the show and absolutely hurt this little boy's feelings when he was like you know we were just pretending this is acting (laughs) this is and the question is did he go too far and nathan fielder sure seems to think the answer is yes the second half of the episode is him trying to make it better and he keeps going and showing up to this little boy and eventually the little boy gets better so what's scary to me ultimately about this is somebody who also has anxiety (laughs) about my ability to connect to people it's that there's kind of no right answer. You either form a bond with somebody and hurt them, or you stay out of these people's lives and cost yourself valuable relationships, which we also see Nathan Fielder do. He later recommends to his other actor son <laughs> to, if the bullies are being mean to you, just say like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with you and distance yourself from them, even if you may want to be friends with them. So there's no right way. We're in a minefield for us people with anxiety, Roxy, and I don't know what to do. I'm either going to hurt somebody or I'm going to lose somebody and I don't know what to do. I think generally that is absolutely terrifying. And yeah, it's really hard to connect with people. This guy, though, he's an adult. And that's a child, and there's a power dynamic, and he should have known better to just not do that in this case. (laughs) I'd say in this individual case, as someone outside looking in and who now knows how it went down, like, yeah, you just, you shouldn't, uh, maybe don't do that with kids, because they literally can't distinguish reality from fiction the same way an adult could. Yep. But I think the anxiety at the root of all of this that you're talking about, how it's difficult to connect with people, and yeah, you gotta weigh the... Nobody knows what to do. Yeah. I think as long as you're trying, I think you won't regret trying. Like, I usually wait in my mind is, will I regret doing, not having tried this or not, I guess. And Mm. that usually makes the decision for me. And then either way, I chose to do it. So it's on me if it turns out bad, I guess. Uh That's fair. What's making you spooked out these days? (laughs) The thing that's making me spooked out um, (laughs) is a little more surface level this week. Uh... It is scary ring doorbell footage. Ooh, those are scary. I've seen these. Have you seen? Okay, so you've seen some of these where it's just like some fucking weird people who just will come up to your doorbell at night that you don't know they're doing that and just Mm -hmm. do weird things. I remember there was one video of like a dude just licking a camera for like a really long amount of time. (laughs) Um, So those are just like individual weirdos. But then sometimes people will catch 
I I think there was like a woman being chased on the street one time that got caught. Whoa. Another thing where there's just like weird screaming and you see the people in the house like wake up and go outside and be like, where is that coming from? Like, should I call 911? Is somebody in trouble or mm-hmm. is it like somebody's TV too loud? Like they couldn't tell. And then like that went viral and people were like demonizing the people to be like, why didn't they call or do something? It's like they didn't know what to do. Yeah. But then also like weird things. It's good somebody spoke up. I guess. Against these people who have a ring doorbell. <laughs> yeah, Therefore, like, an what? obligation to save society. Yeah, apparently. And just, like, odd noises, weird, like, possible creature sightings, or also just, like, there'll be f- a less scary version is, oh, a frog got really up close to the camera for some <laughs> reason, and now we're just looking at a frog for a bit. Well, Roxy, it does kind of, like, that's the idea of having a home. It's like, this is the place where I'm safe. And the ring doorbell reminds you that, like, you're not that safe. Like, just yeah. beyond the door is not just scary things, but unexplainable things. Like, yeah. sometimes, like, a man will put on a hood and just, like, stand in front of your door and, like, uh, uh, shimmy back and forth and leave. And you're just like, how come? Like, yeah. and that's way worse than if he, like, brandished a knife. <laughs> because then it's like, oh, okay, then I've just got a knife to dodge. I don't know what this shimmying man is up to. Yeah, there's this... Very scary one where, like, a dude saw a woman in her kitchen, went around to the front door, and, like, kept ringing the doorbell and being like, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And just said it a million times. Mm. And was like, can you just let me in? And he kept repeating it. And, like, the woman didn't answer the door or talk to him, but the husband was, like, on the app and could talk to the guy through the door and was like, "What, dude, like, what do you want? What do you want, buddy? And he literally straight up said, like, Oh, I was going to rape and kill the woman who's in the house. I saw her from the window. He was like, no. excuse me, what? <laughs> so they called 911 and stuff, and they eventually picked up the guy, and he was, like, either on something or he was just, like, not mentally there. He had, like... And the weird thing was, I think he had been more of an, in a normal headspace or something up until a couple of weeks ago until he just, like, turned up here at this person's door and then got arrested. And they were like... Dude, what are you doing? We have no idea what is happening in the world. And I wish we did. I wish we could understand a little bit of the world. Terrifying. Absolutely (sighs) terrifying. Anyway, here's DemonBot up to make our life even more complicated after all that. Mikey and Roxy, I felt this discussion needed a non-sequitur interruption. This week you were assigned the 2022 prequel to the Predator franchise, Prey. Did you watch the film or your soul's forfeit? Yes, I did. Did you, Mikey? I did also watch Predator, thank God. And by Predator, I mean Prey. Yes, I, wow, I said the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's an easy mistake to make. The new Predator movie, which is called Prey, yes. I, I, I watched that, Demon Bot. Good, then you may keep your souls, for now. He just took off straight through the ceiling. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it? That's just another level of the scary basement up there. I thought he was going to be on the ground floor. Nope. We're in a non-Euclidean space. The basement <laughs> just keeps going. Oh, great. Now we're doing a House of Leaves thing over here. Yeah. Unbelievable. I guess we've always been doing that, Mikey. Every episode is a House of Leaves situation. We just don't know it until we know it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you could say that for any movie. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, until he finds a door in his house that leads <laughs> deep down into an unexplorable madness zone, could be a House of Leaves story. 
Wait, does that actually happen? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> he just quaaludes like, and, and Wall Street. <laughs> manipulates people in business. It's <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing uh, supernatural at all. Well, fine, then I'll never watch Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, you convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> that was what you were I'm trying prob- to do, it's right? probably okay. <laughs> so yeah, this week we watch Prey, Mikey. Mm-hmm. How about we start off with a uh, plot summary for those listening to the episode up at the basement door? I would love to do that. All right. The year is 1719. We meet Naru, a Comanche woman trained as a healer who dreams of being a hunter. While tracking a deer with her good boy dog, Sari, she sees a predator ship. However, <laughs> she views it as a thunderbird, thinking it an omen to inspire her. Back at her village, a hunter has gone missing, taken by a mountain lion. Her brother, Tabe, and crew go out to find it, and she tags along as she can treat the wounded and is the best tracker in the tribe. They find the missing hunter with Naru's help, and her medical expertise allows the man to survive. She also notices strange tracks that are too big for a bear. Naru's brother and another hunter choose to stay behind to hunt the mountain lion, and Naru chooses to go with them. Along the way, Naru finds evidence of strange kills, including a skinned rattlesnake that is somehow, horrifically, still alive. Trio devise a trap, and eventually Naru is on her own, facing down the big cat. Right as she's about to strike, explosions and lights from the predator in the distance distract her. She lands a hit on the cat, but falls out of the tree and loses consciousness. When she wakes, her brother not only carried her to the camp, but killed the mountain lion, and for his efforts, he becomes the new war chief. Snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory. Since even her own brother doesn't believe her that there's something bigger out in the forest that is the real threat, Naru decides to head out on a journey with her dog, Siri, and track down the predator. Sorry. Along- Sorry. I never <laughs> knew the dog's name. Really? She says yeah. it quite a, quite a bit. I struggled with everybody's name in this movie. Oh, okay. Well, if you're not used to, like, <laughs> different, like, cultural names and pronunciations, it can be uh, hard to keep it's track. Tough. It's tough. Naru decides to head out on a journey with her dog, Sari, and track down the predator. Along the way, she encounters a whole herd of dead and skinned buffalo, a truly disgusting waste of life, and she leaves a prayer for them. Shortly thereafter, Naru finds a bear and is attacked. <laughs> right as it's about to kill her, the predator kills the bear instead. A truly horrifying sight as it bathes in the blood of the bear and holds its corpse aloft. Nari manages to escape in the aftermath and is surprised by a group of her own Comanche tribe who are sent to forcibly take her back. They don't believe her about the predator and then are absolutely slaughtered when the predator <laughs> shows up. As Naru runs, she's caught in a trap by the bison killers who are revealed to be a huge encampment of French trappers. The trappers beat her and cage her and then have the audacity to ask for her help. When Naru refuses, they reveal they have also trapped her brother and they threaten to hurt him if she doesn't comply. Instead, they just end up using them both as bait and tie Naru and her brother to a tree. Tabe admits that he could only kill the mountain lion because Naru had gravely weakened it, and that she sees the things that he misses. As the siblings break free, the entire contingent of French trappers are absolutely (laughs) annihilated by the predator. They split up, and Naru makes it back to the camp to rescue Sari, her cute little dog, and kills a bunch more shitty trapper dudes who attack her while they are looting the remnants of the camp. She then comes across a wounded translator who teaches her how to use a pistol in exchange for medical care, which Naru does... 
But then the predator shows up and kills him anyway. <laughs> predator does that a lot. It's just like just when you're connecting with somebody, the predator is like, bonjour, <laughs> slices <laughs> them up and then moves on with the story. <laughs> Naru then realizes that reduced body heat renders you invisible to the predator. Tabe shows up and does some real damage to the Predator, but is sadly killed right there in front of Naru. She realizes she can't kill the Predator in a straightforward fight and is forced to run. Naru then finds the shitty lead trapper and severs his leg to use him as bait for the Predator and lies in wait. She knocks off the Predator's mask so she can use it for herself as it contains the target lights to use its spear gun. She then runs into the forest and sets up a trap. She fights the Predator and leads it into a muddy bog, trapping it. Then, using its own weapons against it, kills it. Naru paints her face with the green blood of the predator and takes its severed head back to her tribe as proof of her hunt. She is then named the new war chief for her efforts and tells them it isn't safe in this area and that they must move camp. She has proven to the tribe and to herself that she has what it takes. And that is prey. That is prey. Big prey energy from this movie <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this, of all the movies i've seen this had the most prey energy you know i gotta i gotta give it to you mikey i, I agree it does have the most prey energy <laughs> roxy i feel like the first <laughs> shot of this movie is of this dog who i just learned is named sorry uh-huh. and the whole time i was like I swear to christ if anything happens to this dog I'll lose my mind yep yeah Yep, and I think they knew that going in there, too, that they were like, mm, people are going to be nervous about this dog the whole way through, but don't worry. <laughs> the, do- the dog is fine in the end. And it's actually like a reliable partner. I really liked how they used the dog in the movie where it's helping her hunt and, like, corral her prey or distract. Like, even with the final hunt with Predator, it, like, distracts it long, long enough for her to get it to work. Yeah, it's a good dog. Yeah, the only time the dog is really in peril is, like, when it's tied up and can't move, and then that, like, some of the looter trapper dudes, like, one of them is going to try and take the dog, and that's when she goes ballistic and, like, kills (laughs) a bunch of humans. Like, there's this whole thing where Naru, like, can't take the shot. So Mm. many times she's given the perfect setup to take the shot and then just doesn't. Mm. It happens so many times, but then when her dog is in danger, then she does it, like, immediately, like a trigger, like a switch was flipped. Yeah, I guess there is Which just is like cool to see this big, interesting theme throughout the movie. And uh, Naru gets told this early on by somebody in her tribe that you only get to hunt if it's for survival. You don't want to go hunting if you got something to prove to other people. And I like was so enamored with this idea of like not behaving out of anger or pride and behaving out of like. Okay, if my go-to process for living in the world is interrupted, that's when I have to take action. And I just thought that was very cool. And I think you're right in saying that, like, this dog is a part of her. And so she Mm -hmm. doesn't really internalize this message until it's time to save the life of her little dog. And that, to her, is what survival looks like. It's She has to stop harm from coming to the people and things she cares about. Yeah, it's kind of like about protecting her own. Because she's like, there is a big... Yeah, a big predator, something bigger than us in the area, (laughs) something bigger than a bear, something bigger than a cat. Like, she realizes it is a threat that they need to be looking out for to protect themselves from. And, uh, yeah, no no one believes her. I think because (laughs) also the best allegory she has, I didn't write this down, so I don't remember what it's called. But she uses, like, the name of kind of a boogeyman from, like, children's tales or just, like, legends that when she tells the others, she's like, 
I don't know how else to describe it. Like it was giant and it could turn invisible and it killed a bear and then bathed mm-hmm. in its blood. Like it, it was like this fictional monster that I know of. And of course they don't, they don't believe her at it's, their own peril. <laughs> it's very funny that the tribe who hears her, like the members of the war tribe who hear her say that are just like, Oh, you mean the character from children's not like they do. They yeah. take the moment to explain to the audience exactly who it is in that moment. Yeah. In a way that I think is very funny. That uh, whole scene too, like they're trying to forcibly take her back and she's like, nah, she fights really hard and actually beats down the dude who was trying to capture her. And it isn't until it, they like gang up on her to be like three against one that she like actually goes down. Yeah. And then they also like tie her up because like her brother's the new war chief. So they're just like, we just got to do what he said. And he said, bring his sister back. Mm-hmm. Didn't say how, I guess. <laughs> we'll just be a piece of shit and do it this way. Roxy, can we talk about what, like, a weird, cool setting this is? Like, this is not something mm. you see in, in horror movies. Like, it's such an interesting place to take the Predator series. Like, I just feel like thinking about, you know, the sequels to uh, Halloween or Maniac Cop. They're just like, it's more <laughs> teens and it's in a new neighborhood. And it's just, like, kind of the same thing. Like, this is a completely different world, a completely different culture. It's clear why, like, we always talk about this, how, like, what is the the big idea behind, like, Predator? It's about hunting, and hunting was a huge part of Native American culture. And so it's like, of course, that's why you take a hunter and put them up against a hunter monster. Like, it's so smart. It's so interesting. It's such, like, a, a great exploration of, of a kind of story like we never see, really. And I would even go so far as to say... It's like one of the most original horror movies I've ever seen. It's very cool. And I think taking it from this time period, uh, I thought it was the coolest thing to just be like, what if all of the Predator movies were just like Predators dropping on the planet in a different part of the world in a different time where people Mm -hmm. have completely different weapons? Like, it's honestly boring to see them fighting Marines in modern day, like with modern day gear. It's so much cooler to be like, what would people of the past have done? Like, they've Mm -hmm. got... Like a throwing hatchet. She has like a throwing hatchet and um, bow and arrow. And right. then we've got these French trappers who have the flintlock pistols, which, man, when they discuss like how you load them, I was like, man, how did humanity ever progress past ever <laughs> using these? Like the what? When an arduous task takes like ten minutes to load a single bullet, by the I would the argue of we it. could go back to that form of. I would. I would rather, honestly. <laughs> like, it, it, all right, guns are about protecting yourself. Great. It takes twenty five minutes to yes, assemble honestly. the tools to reload them. But I thought how it was interesting with the juxtaposition of that to be like these are supposed to be modern technological marvels for like you know seventeen nineteen. But honestly, mm-hmm. her bow and arrow is a lot more effective. <laughs> Yeah. these stupid things you can shoot it faster and when you see uh tabby fight it it's this really cool thing where like the predator is in the middle and tabby is like landing hits on it like going around almost in a circle mm-hmm. and he is like shooting it with an arrow then grabbing that arrow back and shooting that it again cool. with the same arrow which is just like so cool mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was really interesting the way that they took these weapons which you could say like oh it's more primitive but it's like no actually it's really versatile for a reason and just because it was like you know 300 years ago didn't mean people weren't smart and ingenious enough to figure out mm-hmm. interesting ways to do stuff like this it's um, almost like it, that they are plying their craft right it's like they are experts with a bow and arrow in a way that maybe hunters today are experts with a rifle but maybe not you just it's almost so easy to use you can be an amateur and pick it up and use it like 
Yeah. They got really, really good at <laughs> using their bow and arrows and using their... Do you think they actually had the... um? What what Naru does in this movie is tie like a rope to the end of her throwing hatchet and basically mm. gets the like God of War PlayStation Four like press triangle to return the ha- thrown hatchet to your hand <laughs> <laughs> option. You think they really did that in the Comanche tribes? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I don't know honestly. Mm. I'm definitely too ignorant to to know any sort of deeper knowledge about that. All I can just kind of in into it is that when other people see that she did it, they like kind of make a joke about it. So it's like she came up with mm. an, an ingenious way that works for her specifically and the way that she fights, but n- nobody else really seems to have done that or really even seemed to realize what she did. They're like, oh, you just need to like be able to retrieve it. And it's like, mm-hmm. technically, yes, but like that's so she can throw it out again much faster and right. doesn't have to walk over there. Like she found a much more efficient way to use an already existing weapon. And you see her, like, come up with the idea and then train with it and Mm -hmm. then pull it off, sometimes not as effectively. Like, when she's stuck in the mud, it's like, what? It took her, like, six tries or something Mm -hmm. before she almost suffocated in the mud to use it. I'm going to start referring to this as the Tony Soprano rule. Like, uh, on The Sopranos, Mm. Tony Soprano is, like, a, a kind of a, a lovable oaf who is also a horrific murderer and he's got a lot of like he's got a lot of like oafish qualities but like okay. he's really good at a mob boss and I think one of the ways that like they managed to walk this line between like how he's like this beloved TV character who also does some of the most horrific acts we've ever seen on television is because he's really good at his job like it is something that like mm. kind of bonds us to a character when we see them be really good at the thing they're doing. And the counter argument to the Sopranos rule for a show I didn't watch a ton of is the Homeland rule where Homeland okay. uh, yeah. is the show even called Homeland with Claire Danes. She's like I'm a spy. not sure, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it, maybe it's Homeland. I don't know. <laughs> She's like not a great spy. She like a lot of the plot hinges on her making huge mistakes that like lead the plot forward, but she's not like good at her job. Sounds really frustrating to watch, honestly. (laughs) But like we see Naru be an awesome hunter. She's like, we are the, the idea of her like observing so patiently and clearly and the ways that pays off later in the movie when she notices how the predator is behaving and and is able to adapt her tactics to better serve her purpose of murdering him it's like oh yeah i love this character because they're good at their job and if you if the point of a story like this is to project yourself into the protagonist then you feel like you're good at hunting like if we have truly bonded with this character we feel like a powerful badass when she figures out ways to kill a predator well, she's also like an underdog. It's very much an underdog story. So you mm-hmm. kind of can't help but root for her just to begin with, where it's like everybody's telling her she can't, she can't be a hunter. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're good at medicine. You should just stick to doing that. And they didn't really specifically say, because I don't know how, how much historically this is true, but it seems to be like women do medicine and tend the home and then the men go out and do the hunting. Like you don't see right. any other examples of female hunters. And I don't know if that is. Something that, like, they they upheld or were very stringent about, but it it very much felt to me like there was sort of a uh, sexist angle there, too, where it's like, well, they're saying Mm -hmm. I can't just because I'm a woman, and that's that's fucked up. Like, I just want to do it, and I'm good Mm -hmm. at it, so I'm gonna do it, even if you guys don't give me a chance. Which you, you, when you see her brother, like, finally acknowledge her, or, like, when the other guys are being dicks, he's like, no, she's actually the best tracker. 
Mm. So just let her do it. Right. Um, and then he's like, don't fuck this up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to I think this movie does have a really good like push and pull of like, we see her be successful in hunting and then we see her fail because she hasn't learned the lesson that she needs to learn to become like the war chief for her tribe. Yeah. She needs to go through a process, which is killing a predator, <laughs> but also like understanding that she can't be doing this out of fury, that she has to be doing this out of like a need to survive. Yeah. And I mean, she's trying to prove it to herself as much as the people around her as well. Yeah. You know, one thing I did want to ask you about, have you ever heard this story? I feel like I might have talked about it before, but this idea that the Native Americans, when Christopher Columbus's ships first showed up on their shores, they ignored them because they were such alien entities to them that oh, like, okay. their so brains couldn't comprehend that. You've brought this up before, which I think you were the only place I've heard this before. You might have said it on the podcast. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, go go ahead and say it again, just in case folks didn't hear that episode or yeah, the, misremembering. The notion is that, like, we probably have aliens walking among us, right? Because things that are so alien to us and are outside of our perception of reality, our brains just can't comprehend this. And so they become functionally invisible to us. First of all. I thought it would be very cool if that's what they were doing with Predator. Like, if Predator doesn't actually have an invisibility cloak, but it was just, like, kind of a metaphor for, like, how much of him they are capable of processing. I don't think that's what's going on. Because then, what I did, Roxy, I did my first little bit of outside research for the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Give it up for me. I did it. I went and looked up to see. Because it's one of those stories that, like, I just heard from somewhere. And yeah, it's very anecdotal. Right. Was fascinated by it, but like, and then I went and researched as to whether it was true. It apparently came from like one trader who washed up on the shores of North America and was ignored and like wrote about that. And then a lot of people saying like, just because you were ignored, first of all, not all about you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but also just kind of this question that like, how much of anything that the Native Americans were like, working their life was about survival and if it wasn't an immediate threat or an immediate like boon they were free to ignore it and probably had to because they had other shit going on so it maybe wasn't as true as like there are also a ton of accounts of native americans like responding (laughs) very clearly and you know i'd say attacking ships Maybe more like how it was interpreted here, where she sees the predator ship, thinks it's a Thunderbird, because she mm-hmm. has no other perspective with which to gauge it. So I would assume anything like that, they're going to view it through just, like, the lens that they know how. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that could be a sea monster over there. Those ships could be sea monsters. I can't tell, because yeah. there are dots on the horizon. And I don't want to go near that, because if I think it's a sea monster, that's not something I want to run into, you know? It and then makes... you could have the settlers be like, they just didn't see it because they're <laughs> we're smarter and better and we're just going to take over everything, you know? Yeah, listen, that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. That's a good angle to go down. Uh, it does make me want to make a movie like this where we see the monster through the lens of the character. And Predator has like a pretty established mythology, right? He's got certain weapons that we know he uses in previous movies. He's got certain ways that he works. Oh, so one thing I was going to ask you, I've not seen any other Predator movies. Are all uh-huh. the Predators in the other movies like fucking ripped? Are they all this hot? 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah, they're all they're all pretty ripped. That's kind of their deal right. that they they want right. to be the apex hunter and predator. Mm. So they got to have the muscles to uh, back it up. I it guess. would be very funny to me to have like a husky predator who <laughs> just went on the predator hunting trip because he wanted to hang out with his dad and uncles. They honestly should like that's something I have always wondered about, and maybe in other sequels. I have not seen every predator movie, so I can't speak to this. Maybe they've answered this question. Maybe it's a mystery, but it's like. If these are just, like, the dudes who are on the outside going on, like, a hunting trip, are they, like, douchebag big game hunters who would, like, you know, the way human douchebag big game hunters right. will just, like, muscle into an area and take out things with their superior weapons and then pose <laughs> by it like an asshole? Um, so are these just, like, the outliers of Predator Society, or are they just all like that? And wherever the Predator homeworld is, the I don't know what they would do there, then, if that's what they're all like. So it made me wonder, like, are these kind of the <laughs> the outliers or what? Yeah, the Predator homeworld is probably like an airport terminal where people are just waiting to go to different planets to hunt. Yeah, I guess so. I do want to say a, a Predator like they've gotta movie. Have I, uh, there has to be scientists who are developing all their tech. I'm sorry, Mikey. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it just made me think, like, there's got to be scientist Predators. How else do they get the tech that they use? How else do they get the spaceships? There's got to be engineer Predators who are building the ships. <laughs> These are Listen, things I didn't want to think about, but now I'm thinking about it. You're absolutely right. There are scientist predators, and they are, without question, bullied by the hunter predators. They, they would have to be, right? What's up, four <laughs> eyes? Where's my laser eyes? <laughs> I want four dots instead of three. <laughs> oh, you can't do it, nerd. You can't do it. Oh. <laughs> and they put him in the locker. <laughs> and drive a spear through that locker. Now who's going to make their four dot <laughs> laser... Gun. You did not think that through, Phil. <laughs> it is very funny to me that we get no context on the Predator. He just shows up and is there. He just has a ship. Yeah. He's just around. Yeah. Um, Which, like, even in the original movies, it's kind of, they just always sort of drop down. They're just around? Yeah. And, like, I've seen first Predator and then Predators. And I don't remember if I've seen Predator 2. Um, mm. But that's basically the extent of my predator knowledge okay. so so if the backstories didn't get shined up there <laughs> yeah which they knows. totally did not so uh yeah roxy i have one complaint with this movie and i think it's more okay. a question of taste than it is something the movie did wrong okay. but i also want a term for this and we i know we've talked about this a ton this idea that like i want to know exactly as much as my main character knows the character i'm okay. being asked to put my perspective into and mm -hmm. we get a lot of shots that just like cut to a predator appearing and then we see a predator killing a snake and i kind of get to this point where i'm like i know the predator is there and it almost makes it less scary if we're like being asked to almost take into account like the predator's point of view where i think it would be much scarier and much more intriguing storytelling and much more like effectively get me into the perspective of Naru, if we're just like, if she's hunting and she's finding tracks and she's mm. finding this weird cut up snake. And then finally, out of nowhere, a, a, a invisible predator like in and then she's like, ah, there it is. There's a predator. What do you think about this? Do, are you a fan of the like dramatic irony? Like we know, like we know pretty early on that she's on a collision course with the predator and we don't get it for a while. Or would you rather keep it? keep a predator mysterious um i'd say for this movie specifically the way they kind of show them circling around each other where she is noticing that it is moving up the food chain so like mm. that's what this 
what they're kind of doing is showing the predator scenes outside of Naru's vision. It's showing him gradually working up. Like, mm-hmm. we see, I think, like, a mouse eat something, and then we see the snake eat the mouse. Mm-hmm. And then the snake goes to try and attack the predator, and that's when he takes it out. And then later, there's, like, a rabbit and a wolf with the same sort of interaction happening Mm -hmm. where he's like, oh, okay, that's the predator in this situation, so that's the thing I'm going to go after. So it just goes after the wolf and not (laughs) the rabbit, which is bigger than the snake. And then you see the bear, and then it's going for uh, humans after that. You're making a great point, and I am so sorry to interrupt you with this, but it is very funny how easily the predator kills the wolf. I was like... This dude's playing a video game on easy mode. That wolf has yeah. no HP. It dies in one slice. It's really upsetting. Yeah, which it just seems so like callous because he doesn't even really care about that. I mean, he does take the skull and put it on his outfit, um, mm. like as a trophy kind of. But yeah, he didn't like there. There was no fight was in that. Nothing. There was no equal kind of ground with that. Um Whereas, like, later, he only seems to pay attention to the weapons, where it just shows, like, he probably doesn't know anything about the creatures of Earth, so he he's probably like, oh, that's the biggest thing here, I guess, for now. <laughs> so he's just working his way up to it to find, like, more sophisticated things or bigger game, mm-hmm. I guess. But yeah, he just, like, one-shots it. He just didn't need to get that wolf. He could tell he, he could it. beat it with his invisibility cloak. Like, it's such... What if fucking douchebag just has right? his invisibility cloak? It's not even fair. Not it's even not a little. fair. Like, he's already very strong. You need to be invisible. Get out of here. Yeah. Um. One thing that, I, as we're talking about it, and I think you're right, like, talking about the way that we are seeing the the food chain working its way up to a predator. This movie does a lot of, and I think the reason you want to cut to the predator is probably their line of thinking. It's like, this movie has this interesting question of, like, who's the predator and who's the prey? Yeah, And to the point where, like, it literally becomes text. I believe Naru's brother at one point tells her, like, you want your prey to think that they are hunting you. Like, this question of, like, is Naru the predator here? Like, Mm -hmm. she's the one who is going out and saying, like, there's this creature that I need to kill and I want to find it. Kind of. Like, (laughs) she she in a lot of ways is a predator. And it's why, like, the title is kind of interesting. Like, to switch it around. Yeah, it shows her, like, picking up on the fact that this thing that can't be described exists like she is aware that something is amiss she is is uh sensitive to like the environment and mm-hmm. like l- like her brother says like you see things that i miss like it it really hits home how like effective she is so like even though i can understand wanting to know exactly as much as the main character does i i personally like the way they did it here but i guess i could i could see that being like maybe a personal choice or mm-hmm. You know, in a different movie, it won't work the same way trying to do something like this, for sure. I think I can see why they would do it in this movie. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily fault them for it. I would just do it differently. I do want, I want a term for it. The the trappers, so like the French trappers, we never Mm -hmm. see their perspective. We only know as much as Nara does about them the whole time. So I would say they are treated with that because... First, she her dog's tail gets caught in a trap, and she's like, what the fuck is this thing? Like, right. she's never seen something like that before. And then when she's running from the predator, she herself gets caught in a trap, which is kind of like maybe even the same one or maybe a bigger version of that mm-hmm. one. And then you finally see the trappers when they come to see, like, oh, what have we caught? Mm-hmm. That's a good call. And, I mean, again, it's also, like, colonialist douchebags here who, like, killed an entire herd of buffalo didn't take the meat or anything, showed no absolute respect. They just 
took their hides and mm-hmm. it, it was pretty gnarly. And made capes. Capes. Probably. Who knows? <laughs> but they're just, man, they're they're a piece of work for sure. <laughs> and it's another reason probably why she was like, yeah, we got to move because a bunch of like Frenchy trappers are coming in and moving in on our territory to steal stuff. And there's predators because I think you see three predator ships, but you oh, only dear. contend with the one. So there's two others somewhere out there. Oh, boy. As if one um, wasn't enough. But uh, I guess we've been talking about a lot of stuff. What would you say is the big idea of the movie, Mikey? What, in your opinion? I think that, like, this, again, the, the theme that resonated with me most clearly is this idea of, it almost reminds me of the episode of Hey Arnold, <laughs> where okay. Arnold learns martial arts. and Okay, don't he, remember this one, so you'll have to Arnold gets his bus speed. pass stolen. Some jerks on the bus beat him up and steal his bus pass. And so he starts Rude. learning uh, martial arts from his grandma, and he goes out looking from for them. From his grandma? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Nice. And he kind of learns that, like, you can't go looking for a fight. You have to, like, if a fight comes to you, that's when you can do it. So, like, mm-hmm. I kind of like this idea of, like, don't go out hunting, just survive. And this idea of, like, self-mastery. To become a great hunter, you have to figure out yourself to a point where you can really, like, hunt a thing without making it a statement to the people around you. I think is very interesting and, like, a cool way to articulate anything beyond hunting. Like, um, being a good artist, you know, being a good writer, being a good parent. Like, is it about doing the thing or is it about proving to everybody around you that you're good at the thing? And I think that's really a lovely sentiment. Yeah, especially because it starts out as kind of like a want, and then it becomes a need. Like, she needs to take this thing mm-hmm. out instead of just, like, wants to prove herself that she can do it. Right. Um, especially because, yeah, she she also doesn't know if she can do it until she actually pulls it off. And I think it has to do with, like, her persistence and just her smarts and ingenuity. So, yeah, I'd say that idea of, like, self-mastery, self-knowledge is uh, very, very important to the theming mm-hmm. here. And in, in a very, like, Saturday morning cartoon sort of thing, like, believe in yourself and you can do it. <laughs> it also has that sort of aspect to it, yeah. too, which I very much appreciate. Not enough movies have just, like, a, a cheering section at the end where they're just like, you did it! You believed yeah. in yourself! Especially with horror movies. Like, I remember before we even started the podcast, I was like, man, Mike, are you excited to talk about a movie that is not about grief? Because I sure am. <laughs> <laughs> We are exhausted by movies about grief. Uh, especially when it's like, is this a different flavor or way to say this? Sometimes it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Not always. Yeah, sometimes it's just regular grief. But yeah, it, it's it's great to see a horror movie like this. Also, we haven't really talked too much about uh, the indigenous cast and how they very mm. much like talk to experts, talk to actual individuals who are part of these tribes and communities to be like, is this something they would do? Is that something they would do? Is this legit is that legit um and then just have a lot of native american actors as well and i i didn't start it to see like how it changes the movie but i believe on hulu there is a comanche dub of this movie yes which i i wanted to watch it a second time with that yeah (laughs) to see what it's like because it would be very cool and i've heard it recommended that it's like if you're gonna watch it that is the way to watch it and i was Mm. like that would be cool if I wasn't trying to, like, process several right. things at once while I'm watching this movie. If I didn't have to take notes. 
Yeah, during exactly. it. I would love to. <laughs> so, Mikey, do you have a question for me? Boy, do I. Okay. All right, Roxy, pretend that you have 24 hours notice that okay. you're going to fight a predator. Oh, oh no. All right. What do you fill your backpack with to prepare? Um, so I don't want to fight a predator, Mikey. Oh. <laughs> so, so what I would do is just make sure I'm beneath its notice. Maybe take a bunch of ice packs, uh, some sort of other thermal insulator thing so it can't see my body heat. And uh, maybe bring like a book or a Nintendo Switch or something and just uh, <laughs> sit there for a bit until it uh, passes me by. Right. That's probably Which is a uh, Too bad because normally my, my instinct would be like, an alien, I want to be friends with it. But I'm pretty sure I can't become friends with the predator because he doesn't care mm. about anything else. At least these ones, as we said, maybe if I'm not able to talk to a predator scientist, mm -hmm. maybe we could be friends. But I don't think these hunter guys are going to be my friends, Mikey. Yeah, if they had sent one of those nerds down to Earth, I bet you'd have been fine. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? What, what would you do to prepare for your predator fight? I, too, do not think I could fight a predator. I am not a strong man. I am not a clever man. <laughs> I think it would be pretty over if I tried to engage the predator right away. So what I would do, Roxy, is I'd spend that 24 hours robbing graves. That's right. Digging up uh, corpses, breaking those skulls off, and filling my backpack full of human skulls. I would trick the predator into thinking he had killed me. And then I okay. would tumble out a skull, and he would be like, oh, darn, I got him. And then he would put that skull on his belt, and he would continue on his way. Are you going to like... How are you going to mask your existing living, breathing head, though? Oh, with a cold towel. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be very hot. Like I'm gonna run for a long time, but then I'm gonna wrap a cold towel in my head. Like like one of those guys who uh like uh Jack Nicholson right after he gets surgery in the first Batman movie. <laughs> like I'll have a cold <laughs> towel wrapped around my head and just my eyes peeking through. And I will be running. I guess I just need one skull. I guess I just needed to rob one grave. I don't know why I would rob multiple. But then you I just have my get skull. The, the spinal why am I just the spine? Spinal, excuse me. Yeah, the it has, spine. get 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 it with the spine attached because that's usually how they do it. It's <laughs> a good call. That's a good call. Yeah, I'll grab the spine too, and then I'll just okay. be running, and I'll quick pull out the towel and wrap it around my head, and then I'll stumble and I'll throw the spine and head forward, and predator will grab it and he'll put it on his belt and he'll say, "My job here is done," and then he'll go back to Predator Planet and kick back with a nice cold Predator beer. There you go. Show off his uh, skull trophy to his uncle and his dad. <laughs> and then his uncle and his dad bully him. And that's why he goes to work and bullies the scientists. Wow. Yeah, man. It's a circle. <laughs> Toxic. So, Mikey, on a scale of one to nine, because the number 10 does not exist in a scary basement, uh, how likely is the events of the movie Prey to happen in real life? You know, I said a seven. Okay. Uh, just because, like, again, it's one unusual thing. It's a predator. That's mm -hmm. pretty unlikely, but not crazy. You know, something unexplainable could happen at any time. I deducted a couple of points because, or, or I'm sorry, I added a couple of points because I did like the way that the tribe did not work together. <laughs> they were like, could have come together and conquered this obstacle in theory, but they didn't. They just like, there was infighting. There was doubting a woman. <laughs> They were just like, mm -hmm. no, it's not going to happen. And that felt very realistic to me. Yeah, I think? actually, I, I said nine out of nine. Wow. Because um, okay. <laughs> it was like, 
Shitty dude's telling a woman she can't do something even though she 100% can't. Yeah, mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. <laughs> every day. <laughs> Explaining uh, something she's an expert in to them. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's a cool move. Uh, so, Mikey, last week we made a bet. Mm-hmm. So the bet was, does the third build actor survive according to the IMDb credits yep. for this movie? I said yes, the third build actor will survive. And I said no. And, Who did uh, that third build actor turn out to be? He was the predator himself. <laughs> yeah. I got. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I wrote uh, Dane DeLegro. DeLegro. Oh, uh, that's the actor? Yeah. I don't know. What what uh, nationality is that? Nobody knows. Okay. It's impossible. <laughs> Nobody could ever know. Do you think he's as ripped as the Predator is? I mean, I should hope so. Otherwise, I feel like I've been lied to. Yeah. Kind of feels like the one criteria <laughs> you need <laughs> to win You need to be tall and ripped. There you yeah. go. <laughs> so, Roxy, you are going to get that point. You said he does not survive. The Predator is, of course, no. killed. Poor Predator. Hoisted by his own laser-sighted petard. Truly. <laughs> uh, that means the total bet score as it stands. Roxy with 28 points. Oh, my God. Okay. Mikey with 22 points. Mikey. Tie with two. Something will happen at 30. Okay, Mikey, I don't know if I'm prepared for 30. you got to start getting some wins in here, okay? I'm going to try. Okay. Oh, Roxy, did you hear that? Is is there a predator here hunting us? Uh, hold up there, predator. Let's see your hunting license. Sorry, pal, but you know the rules. You predators have to renew your hunting license every season. No license, no killing people. Uh, hold on. Who are you and why is that predator listening to you? I'm with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and I'd hope this predator listens to me. I've authorized to slap his butt with a $750 fine for hunting people without a license, even if it is people hunting season. Sure, here's my supervisor's number, but he'll tell you the same thing. Wait, what do you mean, people hunting season? Well, predators are a big part of the human ecosystem, ain't they? Without them to thin our numbers every few years, we'd overpopulate the planet. What are you, some kind of humanity traitor? You're a human being. Which is why I make sure that predators can hunt effectively. We made a projection of what a predator-free planet would look like. And you know what color the Earth was? Blue and green, like it is now? No, it was a blob of fleshy brown and pink. Without predators, humanity would run rampant, occupy every square inch of the planet. Just leaving your house and walking to the sidewalk would be like trying to get to the bar at a concert. Oh, I had no idea. Thanks for everything you do. I imagine it's tough to work with predators to hunt us. No, it's still not okay. You you let monsters hunt people. Ugh, you sound like those a-hoes in PETA. See, even PETA doesn't like human hunting, and usually they only care about animals. No, not PETA. PETA. With an H. It stands for Predators for the Ethical Treatment of Adult Humans. Oh, there's like an H on the end. Yeah, yeah, you just, you can't hear it. See, uh, PETA's run by angry predators who say we shouldn't hunt humans. They splash breast milk on predators who wear human skulls to red carpet galas. Frickin' wackos. Look out, the predator's back. Oh my god, it just materialized out of nowhere. Alright, pal, you know invisibility cloaks aren't permissible under code 20.21J. That's gonna be a demerit. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus, he stabbed him. And uh, killing me? 
without a license? Oh, that's another demerit. Those do not leave your permanent record for a couple of years. Okay, Mikey, you just want to like cover that up with a rug or something and we can step over there? Yeah. I, I have nothing to do with this. Uh, we could mop this up, but <laughs> I'm not going to. I might. Is it cruel to hire a maid service down here in the scary basement? Uh, since they will be preyed upon by the things that live down here, I would say yes. Plus, there's got to be some like, sort yeah. of uh, wraith or ghoul or zombie who would appreciate, like, fresh dead body, maybe, and could take care of it for us. So then, no good. cleaning required. One thing I know is not going to be doing any cleaning up around here. The demon bot. Excuse me, as a demon robot butler, I work in the service industry and would never allow a fellow cleaner to come to harm. Anyway, you successfully reviewed Prey. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must watch the original 1980 classic Friday the 13th. Okay, Roxy, so for next week, we will watch the original Friday the 13th. How's that strike you? Damn, you know, I have never seen this somehow. So wow. uh, this is going to be fun. Really, the I'm origin of slasher movies, if you ask me. It's funny that we watch the final girls before we watch this. <laughs> I feel like it should have been one after the other. Yeah, it's real uh, call and response in reverse. We're, we're getting to it, though. So that's good. I mean, I'm excited to watch this. Roxy, we, of course, have to make a bet about Friday the 13th. That goes without saying. I feel like this, the first slasher movie, is perfect for a kill count. So how many kills do you think will happen in the very first Friday the 13th? Okay. Um, it's like an establishing movie. Mm-hmm. Like for a whole genre. And they've got like a bunch of camp counselors, I'm sure. So I'm going to say 10. I'm going to assume all those camp counselors die. <laughs> 10. Okay. I'm going to say 6. I feel like kill counts, like this is an older movie. It's from the early 80s. Yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes they don't have as much as you'd think. They uh, Very low body counts in those early ones. I feel like the first Chucky movie had like, what, 4 kills? Get out of here. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, bet's locked right. in. Bet's locked in. All right, Mike, you've been talking about a lot of spooky, scary, alien huntery, <laughs> gonna mm-hmm. kill you things today. Ripped shoulders, uh, though. We talked about a lot of ripped shoulders. Like, I like muscular that. or like torn in half because the predator oh, killed you? I meant muscular. <laughs> oh, I don't okay, think anyone, the, I don't remember anyone kind. getting their shoulder ripped out, but damn, that guy's been doing some uh, overhead presses. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, a bunch of crunches, too. Got that six pack, <laughs> eight pack, however many predators have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what has been making you happy this week, Mikey? Let's let's end, end on a happy note for everybody. I love this. Yeah, what's making me happy this week? It's a little video game I like to call Wave Race 64. What? Okay. That was not the video game I expected you to say. Absolutely not. 64? Um, did you break out your old, like, Nintendo 64? Or? It just launched on the Nintendo Switch Online Nintendo 64. It just came out again. It's a game that um, I actually just recorded another podcast about it today. So I'll plug that. Uh, Video Games, a comedy show. Uh, We'll pop the link in the show notes. Me and Jeremy Schmidt and Mikey Stevens talked about Wave Race 64. It's the game that I had never played even once in my life that I had the most history with. Because What? Okay. When the Nintendo 64 first came out, it was like, there were a couple other games, but there were two games. There was Mario 64 and Wave Race 64. 
And it so was? all my friends Is that like the it. pack that came in the combo pack when video games used to do that? <laughs> no, no, no. Roxy, there were literally like three games. Pilot Wing 64 is the other one. Oh, there were okay. literally three games. It was launch and, titles, all right. Yes. Damn. And so, seriously, only like three? What the hell? <laughs> all of my friends had Mario 64 and Wave Race 64, and I was always like angry about Wave Race 64. I was like, how dare this game not be my favorite video game I've ever seen in my whole life, Mario 64. <laughs> and yeah, I played it for the first time yesterday and played it a bunch more today and now recorded a podcast about it. But like it's really good. It's fun. It's like the way the water handles, it feels so much different than any other racing game. You really feel Hmm. like you're like bouncing up and down through the water. And it's just like a weird little experiment of a video game. Like, I don't think it's enough to justify, you know, it's not like a $60 video game in my head anymore. But like the idea that they would just take like this interesting form of physics and make a whole game around it is very interesting. And I, I just felt like very joyful playing it and experiencing a different feeling of video games than I've had maybe ever. I've never really played a water kind of game like this. And it feels different okay. than any other racing game I've ever played. And I loved it so much. It's very funny and weird. The Also, the announcer, Roxy, the announcer of this game... Is kind of passive aggressive. Wait, really? Okay, that sounds you very have funny. To, um, there are like these buoys that are bouncing in the sea. And the yellow ones you have to drive to the left and the red ones you have to drive on the right. Okay. And so it keeps you kind of like weaving through the water too. And the announcer will go like it, the you have five you're allowed to miss before you lose the race. And the okay. first time you miss one, he's just like, no sweat. Don't worry about it. But by the third and fourth one, he's like, don't miss another one. He's like slowly getting furious at you as you (laughs) go throughout. It's a very funny game. It's been making me very happy. I'm glad I found it. What's been making you happy? So the thing that's making me happy this week is the What We Do in the Shadows TV show. Ooh, okay, great. Have you watched any of this, Mikey? I haven't, no, but um, it's one of those shows that like whenever anybody reads a script I've written, they're like, you love What We Do in the Shadows, right? And I'm like... Uh, I assume I would. I don't know. Oh my god, you would. I I hope you can find the time to watch it. It's like they just started season four right now. It's very good. Now, now that I know you haven't watched it, I don't want to give you any spoilers. But okay. the base premise is you have three vampires and their um, familiar mm-hmm. <laughs> who are in a house in Rhode Island. And then there's like a documentary crew who is like documenting what they do just because Mm -hmm. like, why not? Sometimes they acknowledge that the documentary crew is there. Oftentimes they don't. That's funny. So it has kind of like the office style where sometimes you will have characters like cut away to talk to the camera to like say things like how they feel about a scene or just to download a thing about Mm. what happened. But like each of the three vampires are very funny and distinct and different. (laughs) Nadja at one point gets like, a little tiny doll version of herself that is like her human soul from when she was alive is like uh-huh. in it. So there's like two of her running around. Oh, I okay. I said three vampires, but there's a fourth one who is an energy vampire who is just like he bores you. And that's how he drains your energy by being boring at you. <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. I don't think I've ever seen an interpretation of a vampire like that before, but it's very good. Mm-hmm. Especially because he can even bore other vampires to feed off of them. So uh-huh. he'll just, like, walk into a room talking about this inane thing, and then everybody's, like, falling asleep, and they're like, God damn it, you did it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then their familiar guy, who is named Guillermo, he is, like, my favorite. I'm, he's got to be, like, everybody's favorite. I love all of the characters, but Guillermo is the best. Mm. He's, like... 
been serving them for 10 years and he wants to be a vampire so bad that's why he's serving them but like they treat him like shit and it doesn't seem to be in the cards every time he thinks they're going to finally turn him they don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) which like we're in season four so like a lot of stuff has happened to like change up the cast and everything in terms of like dynamics but a lot of stuff stays very much the same it's a hilarious show it's very funny it's surprisingly relatable despite Mm. the insane things that they're doing and uh it's very like queer positive as well oh embraces that it's like the the guys who did the fly the concords like taika watiti and jermaine clements are like the big big uh artistic drives for the show or at least creators anyway um and i tend to like anything they do so you know if you like any of the other stuff you've seen them do before if you like horror things if you like comedy Mm -hmm. it's a fun time and they're on season four it's still coming out right now i think as of recording this podcast they're like on episode seven so i can't wait to see how the rest of the season's gonna kick off i love it that's a delight (laughs) i'll watch the hell out of that for sure please do all right so it's time for haunted plugs so mikey where can people find you on the internet i am on twitter at mikey mccaller and you can catch me on twitch at twitch.tv slash mikey mccaller perfect uh and i am on twitter at at roxy polk and on twitch i am also roxy polk make sure to give us five stars on itunes five scary stars or you know leave a review and share and scare the podcast with your friends and as always don't sign any contracts offered to you by demon robots come on folks (laughs) 